This is Laura Van Arendongba, and you're listening to To Write and Have Written, a writer's guide to the business side. This is an audio recording of the weekly live stream where you can join us each Tuesday on Twitch. Details and a schedule of upcoming guests and topics can be found at lauravab.com. Now to this week's episode. Good evening, and welcome to To Write and Have Written. I am your host, Laura Van Arendongba. Isn't that a professional intro? That was a professional intro. I'm going to get this thing yet. Yeah, it's going to happen. All right. So I have to apologize. I am going to sit here and just weep at you <laughs> because there's something in my eye. And uh, yeah, I just, we're going to start the show with me just quietly crying on the screen. It's great. So thank you, Shy Red Fox. Very pro. Yes, I see you waving. That's good. So we're going to hope I can continue to see as we're going here. <laughs> just... You know, I'm so moved by tonight's topic. It's just so, so important. Um, it actually is really important. And I'm actually really glad that we're going to do it. This was a requested topic. So reminder, um, feel free to make requests because I'm happy to address things. Um, but uh, yeah, this so this one was one that uh, that somebody asked for. And so we're going to we're going to do this. Um, real quickly, just before we launch in, um, a reminder, I've had several people say that they really liked moments on, it still feels weird to call it the show. Guys, I would love, please give me something else to call this. I I don't think I'm cool enough to have a show. Like, I don't know, come up with something to call this. Anyway, people have liked individual moments. I'm just going to remind you that on Twitch, you can hit that cool little clapper button and save a highlight. Um, and so this does a couple of things. One, um, if you want to revisit it or share it or anything, you don't have to, you know, here's an hour and 20 minutes of talking head. No, you've got the exact line that you want to be able to um, to share or review or whatever. And then it also, you know, gives me some feedback on what things are useful so I can try to trend more that direction and be more helpful. So there we go. And um, also just a reminder, subscribers, I have it set so that subscribers don't see ads. So uh, if you have your uh, Amazon Prime subscription, that is the uh, cost-free way to do this. Um, just use your Amazon Prime Twitch subscription. Um, otherwise, you know, you're welcome to be here regardless. I just can't stop the ads for you unless you're a subscriber because those are the options I have. So then let's jump into tonight's topic. Which is so moving and I'm going to sit here and cry. All right. <laughs> so the question was, how do we keep business out of creativity, which is a great question because, you know, this is, you know, to write and have written the business side, okay, like um, the writer's guide to the business side, like we, we specifically are here to talk about the business of creative careers. And um, that's something that I wanted to focus on because I don't think um, that's something that most writers, you know, as I said last week, nobody starts writing because they love accounting, right? Like this is, um, is something that we don't usually think of. We get into this because we like story or we like making things and oh, there's like math involved and marketing and all of that. So, um, so that's why we're here talking about this stuff. And what I, what I like to do is break things down into smaller pieces, but we've spent a lot of time recently talking about business. We had Chris Morris on last week talking about accounting. We did talked about spreadsheets. We've talked about marketing, we've, you know, all of these things, but that, can't be in our art creation because um, it's it's gonna get in the way. Okay, let's talk let's talk about this a little bit. So, um, and we're so I'm gonna talk about how we keep those separate. But first, let's talk about why we should keep those separate. Um, sorry, <laughs> just gonna quietly read. Also, if if you don't know me that well, this eye is largely decorative. This is the eye I use for you know, life, um, seeing things. And, um, this is the one with the thing in it. So everything is a little blurred right now. So I'm very, um, yeah, just, I've got notes. We'll figure out. There we go. Okay. Um, so let's talk about why we need to keep our business separate from our creativity. And, and let me start with, first of all, um, this is a case where you need to know what your goals are. Um, if I, as a writer, just want to see my work into, I just want to see my work in print. Um, I'm going to come at this with a different approach than if I am doing this with an eye to buying a new house with the royalties. Okay. 
And let me say too that if your business plan is I'm going to write a book so that I can buy a house, your business plan is probably going to need a few revisions. You may want to, for example, include a couple of extra bank robberies in that because um, writing is rewarding and it's wonderful, but it is not number one on anybody's list of lucrative careers. That's not a reason not to do it. And in fact, I think I could make a pretty passionate argument that we undervalue uh, writing and don't pay for it like we should, but that's another thing. <laughs> but I'm just going to say that you need to have your goals set out because that's going to determine how you approach the rest of it. Both of those are valid goals. The buying a house with your first book's royalty is probably not as valid, but <laughs> you, know, you can have, I want to do this for fun. I want to do this for profit and make decisions based on that. Okay. So that that's where we're going to start. Um, but then even once you've decided that you're going to have to break down the approach. So, um, and either way, you know, if you purely don't care about anything at all, I just want to write some words, self-publish them and I'm done. I don't care if they sell. I just want to say that I did it. Actually, you don't have as many decisions to make. Um, I'm assuming if that's where you are, you're probably not coming to watch me talk about the business side of creativity. So we're going to leave that aside. If you have, hey, I'm doing this for fun, but it would be great if I could also sell it and make some money. Sweet. We're here. Okay. Um, so you're still going to have to break these paths down and make some decisions. Um, okay. Sorry. Just thought Amy, we undervalue creativity. Oh, I got a soapbox. We can get on this another time and just go, go, go. Yeah. Um, okay. Focus, focus, stay here. All right. Anyway, when, when I'm trying to make art, when anybody is trying to work on making art, nothing paralyzes you like trying to analyze that as you're creating it. The moment of creation is not the time to be analytical. And we've talked about this before with turning off the editing part of the brain while you're doing the writing part of the brain. You know, these are, these are separate tasks. Um, but we've been there. You've, you've been there. <laughs> you, you know, you're writing a scene and you're like, oh, this is a great scene or this is so dramatic and this is so much happening. <sighs> what if my mom reads this? What if my mother-in-law reads this? What if my pastor reads this? What if my friends read this and think it's them, right? Like, you know, all of all of this can happen and and it just absolutely kills. There's a reason we call, you know, we talk to about paralysis analysis, but it is absolutely a thing when you're trying to write a scene and you're trying to evaluate in that moment. Like guys, writing a scene is hard enough without you undermining yourself as you're doing it. Okay, so this is something we need to break apart. Um, art and business completely can work together and should work together. But writing is an exercise in task switching. Um, and so your art moments and your business moments are going to happen at different moments. And when I say business moments, I'm including in that um, revision which is editing it so that it will be more marketable. I'm including marketing, um, you know, all of those things, anything that's involving um, analyzing this from a viewpoint of other people, um, that, that needs to be done separately from the creation process. It can happen early in the process, but it's still separate from the creation process. Excuse me. So, and I'm going to be a little bit sticky on this point because don't be that writer who claims my high art as an excuse for being bad at things. <laughs> okay. Um, I was at, I was at a book fair once, um, you know, we all had tables selling, um, selling our individual product and I had the, um, specific fortune, I will leave the qualifying adjective off of that word, um, to be immediately next to another writer who was proclaiming loudly to anyone who would or would not listen, that he refused to use an editor in any of his products, projects, because um, his unique voice should not be censored or quelled and, you know, should not be edited out of being his unique voice. And he didn't sell a lot of work that day, but also I didn't sell a lot of work that day because while he was, you know, doing this and going on, first of all, like, you know, everybody in the room knew that he was pushing edited books, but 
he was so loud about it. Nobody would come to me. Nobody would come you know, in, in this direction, which meant he killed all the traffic to my table as well. Um, so guys, like, so a phrase you'll hear frequently in the writing community is a rising tide floats all boats. Like this is a, we're all into this get together. The, the, the more we, the more we do good for the industry, the more we help each other and ourselves, we all benefit from this. The opposite is true. <laughs> okay. If, if you, uh, if you make us look bad, we all look bad. So stop that. Yeah. Boo on him. Yes, I know. It was, uh, it was one of those, like, just sitting there like, Oh, um, yeah. And, Anyway, so don't, let's not be that person, okay? Um, your unique voice is not more unique than fill in the blank with whatever household name, big name author, you know, you know Stephen King, Brandon Sanderson, Nora Roberts, pick, pick one for your genre or whatever, but your unique voice is not more unique than theirs, and I guarantee you they have editors, okay? <laughs> so, um, yeah editors are not your enemy. Okay. Um, likewise, I don't want to compromise my vision. So don't compromise your vision, but that's no reason to not evaluate, refine and improve your vision. Okay. So these are not, you know, business is not the enemy of art. Business can be a great supplement to art. It's how you approach it. So there's that. Excuse me, I'm really thirsty, so I'm taking a lot of water breaks. Uh, so probably because I'm sitting here weeping, so um, I'm crying myself into dehydration here. So, um, so anyway, business is not the antithesis of art. So let me let me say that. At the same time, you don't want to number crunch the catharsis out of your art, right? So, I. I make art because it does something for me and it does something for other people. And it is more than just a formula. You know, it's more than just a Mad Libs that I plug character names into, right? So if if, if, if writing a book had no art, if it was easy and we could all just fill, fill things, you know, had a, a spreadsheet of X genre, um, we would all be doing that. And, and actually, we wouldn't even need writers. We could have computers do that for us, okay? It's like, this is... Um, this is the thing. So we absolutely need the art side of this, but the business won't kill that. Okay. But if you try to apply the business part to the art part, I don't think I said that very well, but work with me here. Um, again, you can't be, you can't be undermining yourself in the act of creating. Do the creation, get the catharsis, make the aesthetic, all of the things, then bring the business in. Sometimes you can bring the business in before, then do the creation and then do more business stuff. So let's talk through this as a, as a process. So, um, as I said, writing is, it's an exercise in, I'm not going to say it's not just task switching. I'm going to say it's mode switching because actually I want an entire different mindset. Um, task switching, you know, I could be in the same frame of mind while I'm doing multiple tasks when I'm switching from creation to business, which again is an umbrella for all the things that are not just raw creation, um, I need to be in an entirely different headspace for that. There's loads of research out there on how, why multitasking is bad, why fast task switching, which is what multitasking is, feels productive, but it ultimately is less productive. It's, a, it's deceptive. Um, the same thing is true for writing. You know, I feel like if I write and edit at the same time, it's more productive. It's probably not. I feel like if I'm writing and trying to determine, you know, the right to market at the same time, it's more productive. It's not. <laughs> okay. So, so again, let's go back to, let's not undermine ourselves. We need to do these in completely different frames of mind. Um, if you've ever tried to brainstorm with that person, you know, who is, hey guys, um, let's brainstorm all ideas on the table, give us everything you've got and we'll sort through them, you know, absolutely everything, let's put it on the table. Okay, what if we do X? No, that's a terrible idea, it will never work. Really frustrating to brainstorm with that person. Don't do that to yourself, okay? Um, brainstorming means absolutely everything goes on the table. We will sort them later. Right now, everything goes on the table. Same thing as for creating, everything goes down. We'll sort it later, everything goes down. 
if you were here when I talked about the advantages of NaNoWriMo, uh, which uh, one of the things that I think NaNoWriMo is good for um, is forcing people into this mindset. I don't have time to go back and wonder if this was a good idea. I need, I need a, a word count. I got to keep going. And it's actually a useful technique. Um, those that, you know, I need so many words by this time can be helpful in training yourself to get just into that creation mode and not allow for editorial uh, work in that time frame. Um, it's not the only way to do it. That's one of the things that Nano is good for if you need to practice that. I'm sorry, I'm so thirsty right now. Okay. Now, let's say I am not approaching this as a pure hobby. Not saying there's anything wrong with hobby writing. Please, you know, I was just talking with my husband um, who does one writing project a year during November for NaNoWriMo, okay? He's absolutely a hobby writer. Bravo. He has a good time. It's good for him. You know, I'm, I'm in full support. But again, if you're here watching me talk about business, you probably were thinking, you know, career on some level. So if you're, um, if you want to make this as some level of, I want to sell and I would like to sell more rather than less if I can help it. Um, then yes, there is a time when I need to evaluate this for marketability. And um, I'm going to say actually in the same way, because editing is also part of this business process and you have this other mindset, that's when I'm going to look at editing. Um, you know, is, is this story structured properly? Is this, you know, is there an arc, you know, to my plot, for my characters, all of this sort of thing. And then when it has those things, will they sell? Okay. So, um, yeah. So anyway, so there are, that is, that is, uh, that is stuff that needs to happen. Oh my gosh, that needs to happen. Like I am, I am a big fan of hobby writing, but craft matters. Okay guys. So that needs to happen. Um, so that process might be, if I'm looking at doing this more as a career, it can be very beneficial to do that evaluation sooner rather than later. Because if I sit down and I do that with my outline, I have spent X amount of time. Um, and if I sit down and I do that with the 85,000 words that I've written, um, I've invested a lot of time in a project that now I might decide isn't viable. Okay. These are choices. There is not one single best way to do this. There are definitely, um, generally better ways and generally less effective ways. Um, and I'm just saying that these are choices that you should think about. Um, so the, the process might look like, uh, and, and let me, let me look back and clarify what I just said. My process looks different for different projects. Absolutely. So when I say there are multiple, multiple correct ways to do this, that's not just me being like wishy-washy about things. I myself do this in multiple different ways, just depending on what the project is. So, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that there really are multiple ways that will get you where you want to go. There are some ways that are just not going to work out for you. If you sit down, write 120,000 words or whatever, and then, and then decide what genre it is, how long should it be and what your theme is and all of that sort of thing. That's not going to be your most efficient process. Can it be done? Yes. Is it the right way to maximize your time? Probably not. Okay. Anyway, so one way that I have done this um, would be you have your idea storm. This is where you're brainstorming. Absolutely everything goes down on the table. Do not at this point start filtering. Oh, this is a terrible idea. Okay. Yeah, it might be a terrible idea. You know what else is a terrible idea? A tornado full of sharks. Okay. So they put it on the table and they made money off of it. So leave it alone. Um, <laughs> so idea storm, everything goes down. From that, so that's your creative mode. Brain is absolutely everything, you know, anything goes, uh, lots of, lots of creativity, wide open, no filtering. Then you can go into, okay, now I'm going to select some plausible ideas from this. What of everything I just put down might be a marketable concept. Okay. Um, there's, and there's actually more than one place to look here. 
is it a marketable concept is uh, the obvious one. Is it a concept that I'm comfortable doing? I definitely have ideas where I'm like, you know what, that's probably a great idea for somebody else. Okay, so that that happens. Or that's something that I could, you know, could be a stretch, stretch project for me. And those are good. Um, But it's not my brand. Okay, so that's a marketable concept, but it's not marketable for me. Okay, so again, there's multiple things to consider here. If you're trying to evaluate on at least three sets of criteria, do not do that to yourself while you're creating. Okay, those are all you're going to do is just, you know, make your life more difficult. Well, hello, Doberman. Thanks for showing up and uh, volunteering here. Would you like to get up on the chair and out of my way? Can we do that? Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Please, please don't climb on the chair. You're good. All right. Um, I have no idea where I was. Oh, yes. So we've we've now uh, we've now filtered our initial project. <laughs> yes. And everybody's like, hey, and Yes, that's great. If you notice, can you, here, can you bring your face over here? Come here. Yeah. Okay. Can your face? Yeah. Can you stop it? Now I just told you not to climb on the chair, but can we see you? Let's see. There we go. See how her nose is a little um, uh, damaged? Yeah. Somebody tangled with a raccoon this week. Yeah. Because you're a bad dog. Bad. Okay. All right. Back to work. Um, see? Mode shifting. It's all about mode shifting. Okay. Okay. Stop behind me. Thanks. We're good. I got to work now. So now I've selected my ideas that I think are going to be marketable or that I'm comfortable doing or that are going to work within the marketing framework that I have set up for myself. Now we're going to go back to creating. And that's where I'm going to form an outline. And um, now we're back into complete create mode. So I want to get all my premises down. I want to get all my characters. Um, what, you know, what could these characters, what might their arc be? What are their motivations? What, what's going on here? And so I'm just, again, everything goes down. I've uh, all kinds of possibilities. Then I'm going to go through and I'm going to refine that outline to something that looks like a marketable project. So now I'm going to shift modes again. So um, will will this you know, if I if I if my couple does not end up together, is that going to sell in the romance market that expects a happily ever after or a happily for now ending? Um, if I you know and again you know, this is one of those know your genre, know your project, know your brand, um, all the things that we have talked about previously. This is where those come in. So now I've got myself a refined outline. I think I know I have a marketable project. Now we write. And um, I should I should give you guys the, the heads up. I've said this before, but I am not great about writing to outlines. If I have an outline, that's a big deal. Okay, but I'm probably not going to stick to it. Um, oh, oh, fantastic question, Bridger. Hold that thought. She's asking, um, do we do different modes in different locations, programs, etc., with different antecedents? Yes wait for it. Okay, no, this is a great question. Because um, that's, that's where we're going, we're going to get to with the house. Um, so uh, when I start writing, um, if I'm writing and the outline just doesn't feel right in the moment, now I'm a, personally, I'm a really big uh, honor the subconscious writer. If something feels better, it's probably because it is better. Um, and usually I found out, find out that my subconscious knows more about my story than I do. Um, <laughs> that's another topic we can deal with another time. But um, that, you know, if I'm if I'm going somewhere and I find out that actually, you know, my outline says this, but this is probably the ticket, we're going to go there. Okay, so you've got, again, the writing is where the creativity happens. So let it go. Okay. If you get, find yourself that it's just absolutely not working, and I believe um, there's a fair amount of what we call writer's block where, where stuff just doesn't go. And it's because the story is not working. Um, and usually that means I don't know enough about my story. That's another thing we'll come back. We can come back to maybe later. So I get my thing written, shift modes. Now we edit this story. And as we say, writing is mostly rewriting. (laughs) Everything needs revisions. That's when we come back and we do that. Once I have done my revisions, now we can sell this. Mm, Excuse me. So, um, so I thought I would talk through really briefly about 
an example that I did recently with this process. Because again, I do um, a variety of approaches to different projects, but I'll talk about one where I used, you know, how this went. And so this is a story called Depth Charge, um, which is, uh, which was just picked up for the water anthology. If you guys were on my charity live stream with, um, and Rhonda Parrish was a guest there, um, as you know, she's an editor and she picked up, um, the water story. And, uh, if you remember, she had like hundreds of stories submitted for this anthology. So I was really happy that I made it into the anthology and, um, and this is the process that I used for this story. So please stop throwing your toys while I'm trying to work. Good grief. Okay. So professional over here, guys. So professional. All right. So um, because this was the fourth of the elemental uh, anthologies, we'd already done Earth, Air, and Fire. Um, I knew that the story had to revolve around water. And because I had personally set the first story in England and one in Ireland, uh, Northern Ireland and one in Wales, um, this one has to be in Scotland because that's what I had set myself up with. And it has to take place in World War II because even though the anthology didn't have to have linked stories, that's what I had ended up doing. So I have um, women discovering elemental powers during World War II in each of the UK countries. So I need to sit down. I need to do something with water in Scotland. So I spent a day um, just going crazy with water in Scotland. So obviously the first place we start, right, is Loch Ness. So let's go play Loch Ness. And I do not want this dumb tennis ball for the love. Okay, sorry. Um, so Loch Ness, I just started looking up all kinds of things about Loch Ness, which is fascinating. It's, it's on this um, tectonic fault. Um, so it's incredibly deep. There's more water in Loch Ness than in all the other lakes of England and Wales combined. Um, because the thermocline, uh, it never freezes. Um, and okay, but yeah, but I want something like, give me something I can get into. This is something, these are stories that I've done, uh, a, a lot of history with, um, and a lot of, uh, uh, everything, everything in them is historical fact, except for the supernatural elements, which I put in, but they're all very plausible with history. So I'm looking at, okay, uh, Loch Ness Monster is connected to St. Columba, who founded, um, I think Lindisfarne, I don't, I don't have my notes in front of me, but I'm pretty sure, um, that's one I knew. Uh, the Balladaran Stone shows the Pictish, Pictish Beast, um, and started writing down, like, all the different water monsters we have in this region. So we've got Selkies, Glastons, Kelpies, the Pictish Beasts, Kefaldur, Kapalishka. By the way, anyone who speaks any of the Gaelic languages, I'm so sorry, and I will happily take direction. Um, I took, <laughs> I did, I did try to try to learn some Irish um, for a while, and I ended up on the Iran Islands, um, on the Western Ireland, where English is the second language, and I was able to order a meal. And that was the proud accomplishment of my Irish. So I do not pretend to be on top of my pronunciations here. <laughs> um, and then because it's U-boats, um, uh, you know, World War II. So we've got U-boats, we've got um, the scuttled fleet from World War One, which was scuttled in uh, Scotland, the German fleet um, was seized and they uh, scuttled their scuttled their ships rather than let them be handed out to the other uh, other countries in after World War One, Rudolf Hess flew into Scotland during World War Two, um, and there's a whole collection of theories on why that happened. But he, that's he flew in and he died. Otto Rahn, who is um, uh, basically you could call him the Nazi Indiana Jones. Um, he was um, uh, archaeologist and scholar who spent a lot of time looking for uh, weird artifacts for the Third Reich and. Um, there's a theory that he was coming into Scotland to look for the Holy Grail, but that was after a year after he's supposed to have been dead. So, you know, all of these things are, are going on, going in there and I've just got notes and, and things written down on all of them. And, um, so get all of that stuff down and I'm picking things out and like, okay, now let's pull out things that might be more marketable. Um, and everything that I've been looking at, like, you know, the, cairns um from four thousand years ago that are near Loch Ness and all all of these things and I'm like okay I've got all of these different pieces what of these are going to be most saleable to this audience because again I'm trying to sell this to a specific anthology um and I end up you know leaving Loch Ness behind for the most part it's set in Clydesbank which is near Glasgow um 
I found um, there's a U-boat that was uh, went to, that was captured in the Firth there, um, where they picked up some Enigma wheels. Um, so that was fascinating, and um, there's some historical uh, controversy on exactly how those wheels were collected. The stories differ, so that was interesting. Um, and Otto Ron's pretty pretty fascinating, but because he was supposed to have already been dead by this time. Um, again, everything I've done in these stories has been very historically plausible. So let's, let's not do that. So I'm getting, starting to filter through pick and choose. And then, um, okay, so now I've got a huge hopper of pieces, fascinating pieces. So now I can take those and work them into my outline. I'm not going to lie. This was a really, really hard one. Um, I probably started this concept from scratch three, maybe four times. Um, it was, it was rough. Um, <laughs> it was really, it, in fact, I whined about it a lot at the time. You can probably go back and hear it on the show. Um, and so then I finally started writing. Okay, I hate this. Go back, outline again, you know, and everything. But those, again, are different modes. And finally, I got through a draft, did some editing, um, and actually edited pretty quickly because I had finally gotten, you know, the pieces that I wanted. And then I sent it out and it sold. So again, these are very distinct modes that if I'm trying to write and, you know, I'm trying to write the story, but I don't know if I'm writing about U-boats or uh, a woman buried in a cairn that's 4,000 years old. You know, those are, I can't do that to myself. It's not really fair. Um, so you can't confirm about whining. <laughs> they seek her. I, I saw that. Um, so anyway, yeah, this this is approximately the time that my chocolate supply ran out, just saying. Okay. Um, so so that is a way that, you know, that I have done that, that it's, again, it's just very distinct steps in the process and the steps require different mindsets. Now, I will be absolutely 100% honest and say there are times when I have no outline whatsoever. I have a premise, it's shiny, and I load myself up. I just get high on, you know, intense music and fair trade dark chocolate and off I go and we'll see where we end up. Okay, that is also an option. But I don't do that for projects that I have a specific uh market in mind for. Okay, so if I'm writing to an anthology that I want to submit for, if I'm writing for a specific publisher, or, you know, I have something that I want to get, um, I'm going to come at that in a way that maximizes my marketing success there. So um, yeah, shinies. Hey, I'm a big fan of, oh, oh, this looks fun. Wee! Okay, like that happens a lot in my writing. Um, and that's fine. Again, like, all of this is about knowing what your goals are for this particular project. I'm not even going to say you have to make a decision for like career right. No, the, you, you, this project I am writing because it has a deadline. There's one I'm working on right now. It has a deadline of December 31st. It has a very specific set of criteria and I've spent the last two days working on that. Um, and then there's other stuff that I'm like, Oh, this looks fun and it has no deadline and I can just have a good time with it. Okay. All of these are valid approaches. Just know what you want to do. Um, so anyway, so all of that to say, when I sit down to do the actual writing, I need to lock the business brain out. I cannot be trying to edit while I'm trying to write. And I cannot be thinking about marketing while I'm trying to write marketing, pre-writing. Absolutely. That's another different thing. Okay. Not, not, not combining them. And I can't be thinking about how will my audience react to this while I'm trying to write, because now that's all about judgment and shutting things down. And that's not productive when I'm trying to be in, you know, to create things. So, um, the best way I ever heard. I absolutely love this quote. Um, Tosca Lee, who is New York Times bestselling author, has done some absolutely amazing books. Um, just really, really good stuff. And she said, write as if no one will ever read it. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant, because that is exactly the best way to do this. Um, yeah, exactly. Kicking the future audience out of the writing room is really hard. So this is why I love Tosca's write as if nobody would ever read it. 
and I use this, like there have been a few times since I've heard her say this, that I'm working on them and I'll be in a scene and I'll slow down. I'll be like, oh man, how is this going to play? Does not matter. Nobody's ever going to read this. Okay. Write as if nobody will ever read this. I can sort how it's going to play later. That's not part of the writing process. If I'm writing something that has an outline, I already took care of what should be in my outline. So I need to trust that. If I'm writing something that doesn't have an outline, then I'm just writing to see where it goes, shut up and let it go somewhere. Okay, so I've got multiple ways I can approach this. I just need to let do the one I have chosen, right? Commit to it. So Shard and Shield, um, which is my current series, epic fantasy series, um, was going to be a trilogy. Now it's a tetralogy. (laughs) There we go. Anyway, um, (laughs) <laughs> Shut up and let it go somewhere. This is, there's the t-shirt for today. Um, so uh, Shard and Shield would have been a completely different book if I had written it, um, I'm going to say even later in time. Um, I started Shard and Shield long ago, a long time ago. Um, it's it's an ancient book. Um, there's a There's a fun story in my blog about how it actually started, I believe in 2004 while I was training chickens. So there you go. Um, it's now 2020 and it's finally um, half published. But because at that time, publishing was something that was nice, but it wasn't what I was doing. Okay. And self-publishing was not the uh, juggernaut that it is now. Um, so, which is, I think is good because it means that I didn't self-publish a bunch of Drek when I was getting started. Um, but I was not writing it thinking about how people would be reading it. I was writing it because it was what I wanted to do. Okay. So I, I was telling the story that I was interested in. And there were a lot of pretty raw moments in this series that I don't know that I would have written that way if I had been thinking, if I had been a published author, Right. Um, if I'd been thinking about how are people going to be reading this? And I know this is true because after the first books came out and I started getting feedback on them, now as I'm working on books three and four with those reviews in my head and those um, comments, you know, in my head, even guys, even the good ones, I have fantastic feedback. (laughs) Guys, authors love hearing about the books, okay? When when people send me messages and say it's 3am and I'm so angry that this happened, I'm like, yes, okay, so that's a thing that happens. But it means that there's, I'm going to say pressure, darn it, (laughs) and there's expectations. And and now I, I am very tempted to think about when I'm getting to those raw moments in the other books, like, okay, how is this going to play? How are people going to read this? Um, when I was writing it the first time, my mom was not reading it. My mother-in-law was not reading it, okay? My mother-in-law buys these books and it's terrifying, okay? Um, and so that is you know something that I have to make a much more conscious effort now to separate these because previously it was easy. It was all for me. And now it is for other people and I need to make it still, it's all for me. Okay. And that's, that's the other thing I'll go with. Um, I'll say is, you know, I love Tosca's right as if nobody else will ever read it. It's a great line. But also I'll, you know, the other thing I go with is I am my first reader. If I'm not enjoying it, I don't write it. Okay. The story has to be for me before it is for anybody else. Because if I don't like it, I'm not going to write it well. I don't want to spend time with a story that doesn't fascinate me. Okay. So um, you can't think of judging your work while you're trying to create the work. That's never going to, it's never going to be your best work because you're shutting yourself down. So, um, so sorry, I just saw that uh, Bridger's seen the chicken camp video. Yes. Yes. I may. There is a music video of trained chickens. There we go. Okay. Um, so I'm my first reader. I have to like the story before anybody else does. Um, and so that's why you have some pretty raw moments. We That's why we have men who are talking about emotions, guys. It's in the fantasy genre. It's okay. Um, and sometimes, um, because I am my first reader, sometimes I write things that I know aren't going to be my best marketing choice. Um, 
So oh, great. I love the chicken video is pure joy. Yay. Thank you. Yes. It was so much fun. Um, that, yeah, that while I was taking the video that became the chicken training music video, that's when I started writing Shard and Shield. So that's, there's your, there's your flashback right there. Um, so I'm working on a project right now. It's not in my Shard of Elan trilogy. It's the thing that's going to come after that. Um, and it has not as my protagonist, but there's a set of side characters who are basically sex slaves in a harem. Just going to describe it that way for simplicity. And I look at this and I'm like, this is the worst possible marketing decision. Um, because all my steamy readers who are, you know, uh, not my steamy readers, but readers who like steamy sex scenes are going to be intensely disappointed with this because there is no sex on the page. Like, not there. So, so I'm not, I'm not meeting that expectation. Um, by having a bunch of, you know, people compelled into, uh, into, you know, be, being sex slaves, um, I'm opening the door for cancel culture and all the people who are going to jump on something for being problematic without ever seeing how the story addresses the issue. Um, spoiler, <laughs> just reference the fact that last month we raised a bunch of money for international justice mission to fight slavery and sex trafficking. Probably the story's going to address the issue. But anyway, um, so that, you know, but that's a thing that's going to be really difficult to market. And I have a, um, not exclusively, but a chunk of my readership are people who prefer clean reads. And they're going to be weirded out by the fact that I have this. So honestly, I am setting myself up for a massive marketing fail by doing this project. But I like the project and I want to do it. Okay, so um, because I don't have to rely on huge sales from this book in order to be able to eat next month, I have some latitude in doing what I want. And I'm just going to be very particular in my marketing. I'm going to filter out if you remember when I talked about um, when we did our marketing episode and I said a huge chunk of marketing is filtering out people who won't like your book. So that's going to be my big project <laughs> for for that to filter out a lot of potential buyers and get just the people who are be interested in it. And um, so anyway, yeah, that's a, that's a thing that, you know, again, it doesn't always have to be about writing specifically to market. It shouldn't always be about specifically writing to market unless you need this to eat, in which case by all means write to market, but also, you know, maybe consider some supplementary jobs because it's not the most lucrative career. Okay. Sorry. There's stuff in the, in the chat that's happening. I want to catch up. Um, Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Making the video was absolutely displacement activity. I, um, had, I was spent like 60 hours in a week doing, um, extremely left brain, right brains, uh, an oversimplification because that's not actually how your brain works, but let's say left brain, uh, scientific analysis, massive amounts of number crunching. And so then I would go back to my hotel room and, um, I desperately needed to do something creative. So that's where I started writing Shard and Shield. And I, um, also made a music video out of chicken training. So there we go. Um, oh, I am my first writer. Is that, um, Shy Red Fox, is that, um, something, is that a link about, uh, I need to be the, I need, I'm my, uh, I need to be my first reader who enjoys my stuff. Um, I'm assuming that's what that link is. Um, so, or I don't know. Anyway. Okay. I'll check on that. Sorry. <laughs> that's a chink link here. I don't know. I've no, never, I don't know how that shows up here. Um, so, oh, that's the clapper option. Oh, I didn't know it showed up in the chat. Ah, oh, well, thank you for clipping that. I've never actually seen it in the chat or at least I haven't noticed it. So, okay. Hooray. Okay. Um, where am I going? So, um, so all of that to say is sometimes, um, sometimes going to write very specifically to market, you know, how can I create something that is very definitely going to sell? Sometimes I'm going to write, darn it. I like this story and I want to do it. And, um, and it's going to be harder to sell and it's not going, it's going to be much more niche. It's not going to sell to as many people. That's okay too. I just need to know what I'm deciding. Okay. And neither of them should I be trying to make that decision while I am creating it. Okay. So writing is writing, editing is editing, marketing is marketing, you know, all of that. They happen in different sets of mind. Okay. So all of that comes down to it's, Hey, you know, so you've got this, you've got this thing. So just change what's change your state of mind and it will be fine, which is true, but not helpful. <laughs> um, because it really just does come down to state of mind. And 
some of us are more practiced at that than others. I was talking to a friend recently and I, and I said, oh no, I, I can't. I can't go on social media right now because um, I'm in this kind of funky mood. So I'll read things in this way and I'll respond to things in this way. So I can't do it. And she's like, how do you know that? And I'm like, do you not know when you're in a bad mood? And she's like, yeah, but I don't know. Like, I don't change my behavior because of it. And I'm like, well, I do. (laughs) So that's, um, or or at least sometimes I do. Sometimes I should, but I don't. But um, yeah, anyway, um, a lot of times, you know, being aware of how am I thinking at this moment? What is my mode? What is my work mode at this moment? Um, and that's a skill that is developed. It is not natural. Uh, so let's talk about ways to develop it. And um, and Bridger actually touched on this earlier. So yay, because behavior nerds, yay. Um, so context cues can be hugely helpful for this. Um, so you could have there's a number of different ways to do this. I'm going to, I'm not going to tell you the right way to do it. Find the one that works for your situation. And you might find that that changes according to, you know, what you're working on your, or your living environment or that sort of thing. Um, seasonally, you know, if you're, um, you know, whether or not you can go to your coffee shop because of pandemic, you know, all kinds of things. So, um, but here are some options to consider having different days for different tasks. This is something I do just in my productivity world. Um, I have one day that's for administrative organization stuff. I have one day that's when I look at um, advertising and marketing things. I have one day that's for primarily for creating new material. I have one day that's for grading homework from my um, instructor position. Um, when you know, and I just put everything in a hopper and deal with it on that day instead of dealing with it as it comes in. So you've got a number of different things. Me personally, I don't tell people which day is which. So that way I don't have somebody who's like, well, I know that Monday's your administrative day and I sent this email. So it's Monday at 8.57. So you should be done with it by now. No, no, that's not how that works. So these are my secret productivity days so I can get things done um, without having pressure. But because I have different days for it, it's very, very easy for me to sort in my brain. Oh no, that's not today's task. That's for Thursday I will deal with it then. Okay. So um, being able to categorize in that way can be really helpful for that. Um, And then, uh, so uh, I'm sorry, your physical setup can be another one. Uh, Maybe you do your editing at the desk and you do your creative new material um, on the couch or whatever your particular uh, setup might be. But there's a physical change that helps you distinguish this is for this mode, this is for this mode. Um, so you can set moods using um, not just the environment, but props. So I'm going to write new material. So I'm going to have my epic writing music. I'm going to light a candle. I'm going to be in my comfy sweatshirt and the blanket over my legs. And then I'm going to go into editing or marketing mode. And I'm going to put shoes on and I'm going to have, you know, focus music instead of epic music, or I'm going to sit in you know, the other place and excuse me, any number of things again, to help you distinguish. Um, you're just providing external clues, clues, you're just providing external cues for yourself as well as just trying to change your mind and you're making it easier for the whole picture to shift. And then I'm going to say, you know, go ahead and catch yourself when I'm writing and I start going, oh, I don't know if this is the best thing. How is this going to play to my existing audience? How is this going to work against that one review? Whatever. No, no, stop. Catch. That's tomorrow, Lara's problem. Okay, that's 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 not for now. Um, let me get back to just writing. Um, and, you know, you know, don't beat yourself up. That's not going to be helpful either. Just stop, acknowledge, oh, I'm in the wrong mode. I, if I need to make a note about that to, so that, you know, future Laura can deal with that another time, put that down in a note. Now get back to creative Laura's, you know, today Laura's issue. And, um, and just keep yourself on task. Again, you know, don't get angry about it. That's not useful. But just remind yourself which task you're on. Likewise, if you're in the middle of creating a bunch of ads, um, you know, pushing, you know, promoting some ARCs, whatever, you're doing something that's not um, making new 
words. But as you're writing up something and you're like, oh, that would be a really great premise. Great. That is for Creative Lara. That's future Lara's issue. Um, so make a note of that and then get back to your job. Okay, train your brain to stay on task. And all of those context cues and all of those props and everything that you can use to support that in the beginning ultimately may not be as necessary, but in the beginning, every little bit helps and crutches are totally legal. <laughs> okay, so go ahead and give yourself um, the uh, give yourself what you need to succeed. Give yourself what you need to be on task. So, okay. So that's what I have for keeping business out of creativity and um, being focused and staying in the right mode. So there we go. Um, next week, Connie Swaim is coming to talk to us about search and cadaver dogs, and that's going to be awesome. Uh, I'm really excited about that. So that's going to be a learn with me. We're going to talk about things that TV shows and books and whatnot get wrong about this topic. And um, so, yeah, we were we were talking a little bit about what we were going to cover, and it's going to be so much fun. So, guys, definitely come for that. Bring your questions, please. Um, and then I just want to mention again, topic requests are welcome. This was a requested topic. I've done some other requested topics. Um, happy to, happy to hear what you guys want me to cover. Um, or, you know, whatever, like I'm, I'm here. Let's, let's do something fun. So, okay. And, um, thanks for throwing the, the clip into the chat. I appreciate that. Um, and (laughs) oh, look a shiny, never mind. I'm back. That's basically me. Yeah, that's, that's. We've got it. That's me. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I think, I think that's it guys. So, um, if I'm going to give you let the chat cycle around in case any questions, um, get in right at the end, but, um, I think that's it. And then I will see you guys with Connie here. Same bat time, same bat channel next Tuesday, 7 PM Eastern live on the Twitch and then the replays everywhere else. So All right. Thank you guys so much for coming. Have a great evening. Oh, if we have suggested requests of topics, where do we put them? Anywhere that you can reach me. So um, I have all the social medias going. Um, You know, you can you can feel free to tweet me. You can feel free to hit me on on Facebook on my author page. Um, There's contact uh, email contact on my website, lauravab.com. That's lauravictoralphabravo.com because nobody should have to spell out my entire name. That's not fair to expect. Um, so uh, you can email me with your I- ideas or requests. Um, so yeah, anywhere that you can reach me, feel absolutely free. Um, and I will always reply. So if I don't reply, assume that for whatever reason it did not reach me and you are authorized to nag me. So that's, there we go. All right. And with that, I'm going to wrap it. Everybody have a lovely uh, December evening and I will see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can find details on the weekly live stream, upcoming guests and topics, subscription and support information, and more at lauravab.com. Your shares, reviews, and support are very much appreciated. Until next time.